in this episode, you are going to get the five key ingredients, five key steps of getting unstuck as a father, as a husband, and as a leader. My guest today is Don Balkowski, founder of Aligned on Purpose, psychotherapist and behavioral coach to men. Donald is passionate about helping men get unstuck in times where they may feel stagnant or dissatisfied in their roles as fathers, husbands, and leaders. Donald shares how his own traumatic past, micro abandonments, and his own falling apart led him down a pathway to overcome so that he could live a life of reformation and healing, leading to motivation and excitement and purpose. My conversation with Don Balkowski starts right now. You are listening to the Dads Making a Difference podcast, the number one podcast for men driven to live a life of significance. Men who want to make a difference in the lives of their families, in their business, and in the world around them. My name is Cam Hall, founder of Fight the Dabot and leader of the Dads Making a Difference Mastermind. Thank you so much for spending time with me today. Now, let's dive in. Hello, my friend. Welcome to another episode of the Dads Making a Difference podcast. My name is Cam Hall. I'm your host. I'm so grateful that you're here today. Thanks for tuning in again this week. We are rolling along. And today I have a question for you. Do you ever feel stuck or dissatisfied with where you are? You might be thinking, how do I know if I'm stuck or dissatisfied? Well, I'm going to name out some signs or symptoms of being stuck or dissatisfied. Do you feel like you're just going through the motions? Do you ever feel that you're overwhelmed by stress or dreading work? Are you overweight or out of shape and don't have the motivation to improve your health? Do you complain often or say, I just don't have enough time? Are you drinking a lot or drinking too much? Are you numbing out on social media or with pornography? Do you have trouble in your marriage or in other relationships, maybe in your friendships or at work? Or are you just suffering from a general lack of direction or meaning in what you're doing that leaves you feeling anxious, angry, maybe depressed, or lacking confidence. If you yet said yes to any of those things in any capacity, then there are times where you feel stuck or dissatisfied. Well, my guest today is Donald Bialkowski. Donald is a psychotherapist and behavioral coach to men that specializes in helping you get unstuck. Because if you see yourself in any of these situations, you are not alone. In fact, it is increasingly common for men right now to consider themselves unwell. This is evidenced by soaring rates of chronic disease, substance use, and other addictions that are leading to men living lives of dysfunction. We don't want that for you. Donald chose to be a resource for men because he understands the unique needs and challenges that men face. With nearly 20 years of experience in behavioral health care, Donald understands how more traditional services can fall short in meeting your needs. So he helps men thrive by providing a holistic and modern approach to health and well-being. Excited to dive into this conversation today with Donald. So our conversation with Donald Balkowski starts right now. Donald, welcome to the Dads Making a Difference podcast, brother. I'm glad to have you on today. It's good to see you. Yeah, good to be seen. Good to be here. I appreciate the time. I'm, I'm glad that we have this opportunity to chat today. Uh, we made this connection through Christine, Christine Wright, who was a 
was a guest on the That's Making a Difference podcast already. Mm-hmm. And I'm so glad that Christine introduced us because I know that in her parenting game mission that she connects with very thoughtful, purpose-driven, growth-driven people, especially men. And when she reached out and said, you need to chat with Donald, let's, let's do it. And so we had an opportunity to chat about a week ago and man, you blew me away with some of the things you shared about your passion for helping men grow, especially when it comes to their emotion and their mental health and identifying this. I loved what you said, muck of midlife. And we're going to get to that, but you said that on our call and I wrote that down right away because I loved it because that's where I'm at. I'm turning 42 next month. So I'm right there. Yeah. I'm feeling the muck. So, and I know a lot of our (laughs) listeners are too. Uh, Donald, why don't you share a little bit about your story? I'd love to get to know you a little bit better. Uh, What led you to be a therapist and why you're passionate about helping men in their relationships and their development and their emotional awareness? Yeah. Well, thanks again, Kim. Uh, Where do I start? Where do I begin? Um, well, it's interesting. I actually studied my undergraduates in anthropology. I thought I wanted to be an archaeologist, uh, but it was when I was volunteering at a homeless shelter in Colorado that I really got interested in mental health. I saw a lot of really interesting circumstances and met a lot of interesting people uh, in that work. And so I, I always thought that, um, you know, I pursued mental health just because it was I was curious. It was out of an interest. But um, in hindsight, now I, I, I kind of look back and I know that I, I think I got into mental health more as a way to end my own suffering. And it's kind of a kind of a two edged, a double edged sword, you know, and in, in one way, it was about trying to figure out what I was carrying in my life and how to really heal that. But then also I've since discovered that it was a way for me to kind of also hide, you know, it was sort of like I could become the expert and I don't need a therapist. And, you know, it was a nice, like sort of way that I, I could sort of avoid some of my own uh, difficulty. And that difficulty really came for me from childhood. So um, just a, a quick sort of bio. I was, I was raised in a, in a house that was full of depression and, and alcoholism Um. And so when I became a young adult, I really had a lot of like, after like years of micro kind of micro abandonments, it wasn't like a really traumatic upbringing or anything, but just with that sort of level of mental unwellness in my house, there was just a lot of um, what I call micro abandonments. And so um, I kind of struggled with substance use after I left high school and went on to college and depression. Um, and as I got older and I went to graduate school, I was able to kind of, you know, develop kind of a sophisticated way of using substances and balancing it all. And then the pandemic happened and just the speed of that, everything shifted for me. I had a total crash. Uh, it was super painful. Uh, and then uh, since that time, I've really, I've, I've just really, it's been a gift. It's been a gift. I've been able to um, pick up the pieces and kind of put it better back together in the way that I wanted it to. So, so yeah, it's kind of, it's been quite a journey uh, for sure, but that, that's where I'm at today. You said so much there that I want to unpack <laughs> and we're going to get to, you mentioned your own falling apart and being passionate about helping others, you know, learn how to put themselves back together. Like you did, you mentioned micro abandonments and how a series of micro abandonments in your life, abandonments in your life kind of led to this, this place that you were in. I'm curious, what, what do you classify? What's a micro abandonment? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I think, well, so as humans, we have just kind of like four basic needs. We need to be seen and we need to feel safe and we need to have a sense of security, which is just safety over time. And we also need to be soothed. And so they're just, you know, the kind of the four S's. And for a lot of, for a lot of people, sometimes that doesn't happen because of like, like a big T trauma, you know, there might be some child, like child abuse, or maybe a loss of a parent, or maybe a parent had like a really crippling medical issue or something like that. And those kind of major life events in a, in a family and development can cause a lot of difficulty. And then there's, for some folks like myself, I would say they're kind of micro. So there, there's nothing like really big, you know, my mother loved me very much. Um, it was just during periods of depression, she just wasn't really available. That's just the nature of depression. And so, you know, it's those day-to-day kinds of things where maybe you're not being seen, you know, because your parents really aren't present. And this can happen. I see this a lot with parents who are, or men who are raised by like mothers who are really anxious, you know, they're just really anxious moms or their dads while well-intentioned were working all the time. They were just never there. And, and that kind of like lack of being seen can kind of, you know, create some, some difficulty later on in life. Not always, but yeah. Is that helpful? Absolutely. Absolutely. How old were you when you were able to, or, or were you able to acknowledge that this was happening? Did you know that something was a little bit different or were you just growing hmm. thinking that this is life? This is what it's like. Uh, our family's normal, just like everybody else's family. And then was it, were you older when you look back and started to identify these pieces? How old were you when you started to realize that maybe your experience wasn't, I hate the word typical, so I don't want to use it, but you know what I mean? Quote yeah, yeah. unquote the standard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it, I would say it's interesting. It, it really wasn't until like my falling apart, I would say where I really kind of broke open to uh, all of the, all of myself, you know, mm-hmm. along the way, I would think there was always a sense of something was maybe wrong or something was off, but a fish doesn't know it's in water. You know, it's not, it's not something that really you know, you can see you're too close to yourself to really kind of have that. And again, in my unique situation, you know, I got into therapy. So that put me in a nice spot where I could always be the expert. And I, you know, I knew all the psychology and I, you know, I sort of had the answers. And so um, it was a, it was a way that I could kind of armor myself a little bit, you know, if anybody had an opinion <laughs> or would maybe like challenge, you know, somebody yeah. who could reflect that back to me. So in a way, I, I really didn't see it um, until somewhat recently, a few years ago. Okay. We, we were going to dig into this later, but I hope you don't mind me dig into this now. You mentioned falling apart and mm-hmm. I don't want to put you on the spot, uh, but I find it so valuable for, for men to share their experiences with our listeners to say that, you know, here's where I've been, not to say, hey, look at me, but that you, mm-hmm. if you're going through this right now, you can make it out. Do you mind sharing what you feel comfortable with about your falling apart? And you mentioned having to put yourself back together again. Those are two really huge things. And you say them so quickly in my falling apart when I had to put myself (laughs) back together again, like, well, hold up a second. Like this is, this doesn't happen overnight. Would you, would you mind diving into that process, that experience? Sure. Yeah, of course I can speak a little of that. I I do think it's, I do think it's important for us to be transparent about those, the stories, because we're a lot, a lot, we're a lot more alike than we are different. So I appreciate the invitation. Um, Yeah, it hasn't happened overnight. That's for sure. And I, and I think in a lot of ways, even prior to sort of like the, the moment that I really sort of fell apart, 
um, I had, it was like a reverse ripening, you know, there was already some healing that was sort of like happening and occurring. And again, it was just kind of the shift of the pandemic, you know, that I wasn't able to rely on some of those structures, you know, Mm -hmm. like I'm going to work at this time and this time and I'm committed here. And, you know, just that, that routine really just locked us down. And, um, you know, I just fell into a significant depression. My marriage was like barely on life support. I became really suicidal. I was actively suicidal. I did a lot of grieving. I had to really, it was a sort of a period of reckoning for me. Mm. And I just saw like some things in my, my box opened up and I couldn't shut it. And so I was for, really out of necessity. Um, I was forced to ask for help. And it was really, that's what changed things for me. I found, I actually found a mentor and that didn't even happen overnight. It was like, okay, I'm like really struggling. Like, you know, and he had been there before. It's like, how, what, how'd you handle this? And then I still like had a lot of reluctance to kind of like actually continue in that mentor relationship. But then at some point I was like, well, why wouldn't I do this? Why wouldn't I seek the guidance of somebody who's been there before me? You know, I don't have to learn painful, hard lessons, you know, the long way. I don't have to And so, um, yeah, I just, I began to get really interested in um, the value of speaking to other men is what it came down to for me. Um, And I was a, I was a child in my childhood. I didn't have any real stable male figures in my life. It was just a real absence for me. So this is whole new territory. I found a, a, a particular mentor who was able to give me some guidance and kind of speed that process up. But I've also been through therapy and EMDR therapy. So it's, it's been every day, all day, uh, and continues to be, um, it's just a lot easier yeah. these days. So a work, a work in progress. Yeah. Amen. Work in progress. You know, that commitment, we talk a lot on this podcast about growth. Yeah. Um, and that's a commitment to growth. Just knowing that I haven't figured it out. I'm going through this and each day is a new day. Yeah. Yeah. yeah humility. Yeah. Yeah, humility and commitment every day. Incredible. And I think the experience that you shared about at the beginning of COVID, your experience is different than someone else's, but I think there were some similarities in what I think a lot of guys went through when they're, you said it, my routine got shut down. I was a creature of my routine and these mm-hmm. systems and the structures. And when those things fell apart, it was, you were able to, and I was able to do this too. Like I remember at the beginning, March 16th, 2020, when the world shut down It's mm. kind of, I remember the date and how it hit me. And I started to see these crumbles and these routines and the structures fall apart around me. And it was almost like those structures were like scaffolding that were holding me together and holding my life together. And then we were all thrust home for a long time. Most of us were anyway. And we started to have to rebuild new scaffold. And it was hard and family struggled. And I know a lot of men, I also struggled, but a lot of men struggled through that time. So I appreciate your vulnerability and your openness in, in sharing that you went through that. Um, you mentioned finding a mentor and the power of mentorship and surrounding yourself with uh, someone who's been there before. Mm-hmm. I, I fully believe in the power of coaches and mentorship. But you alluded to not having many, you know, father figures or a male role model in your life when you were growing up. I want to shift gears just for a moment to something you said to us on our previous conversation. When I was getting to know you a little bit. And you said that part of your masculinity had been arrested as a young man. 
And I've been trying to unpack that before this interview, because I really want to ask questions that draw the best out of our guests. You just shared something new with me. I didn't know that you didn't have a male role model when you were growing up, like that, that was something that was absent for you. So how you said you had parts of your masculinity arrested as a young man. So my question is, how did you reclaim, reclaim masculinity? And what direction do you have for men that want to do the same? Hey guys, I wanted to take a moment and talk about our community of DMD brothers in the DMD mastermind. We are men who help each other to stay focused and intentional in our pursuits of personal, professional, physical, financial, emotional, and spiritual growth. We are a community of men who bring courage, wisdom, and transparency to unfiltered conversations that challenge us to be more impactful men. To be, dad's making a difference. We do this through our online and in-person events where men come together to speak into each other's lives and then turn around and do the deep work to create change in their families, in their businesses, and in the community around them. If you are wondering if this community might be right for you, you can find more information on the DMD Mastermind and you can also book a call directly with me at dmdmastermind.com. Now, let's get back to our show. Mm, that's a big question. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just unloaded yeah. on you there, but yeah. you, you have me thinking and I love yeah. it, man. I love yeah. this. Yeah. Well, I think like 80% is just awareness. You know, that was, that was a big piece for me. Um, yeah. I often say this, I said it earlier, I'll say it again, a fish doesn't know it's in water. And love that um, line. you know, there's, and I think it's, you know, it's the case for for most men, really, I don't know, Paul Kivel was, um, was a guy doing uh, some men's work in Oakland, California in the eighties. And he coined this term, the man box. And he, he sort of uses it as a way just to describe how men get socialized and, you know, just real high level, basically men get socialized to into this box that's characterized by like dominance, strength, power, fearlessness, stoicism, kind of victory. And like these real sort of like traditional mm. masculine um, values, which is, which is just fine. And it's great. The problem is, is like when we're outside of those outside of that box, then it's seen as weakness. And then we sort of get shamed and we get sort of like packed back into this box. And the problem with the box is it doesn't include things like courage, compassion, and caring. And these are critical aspects of being a man, you know, being a father, to be a good father, you yeah. need a lot of courage. Uh, and you need, you need, you need to be like compassion, um, all the time. Right. And so, and being caring, of course. And so, you know, it really limits men a lot. Um, and so, you know, while I had a absence of men in my life, um, I don't think, I don't think it's a real unique circumstance just to me because mm -hmm. I didn't have men in my life. I think it's, I know it's really common for a lot of men. You, you mentioned those qualities and you know, so kindness, and I'm thinking of, you know, empathy and gentleness, because mm -hmm. we often hear this term hyper-masculinity thrown around right now. Right. And there's this tough balance between everything you said, you know, and maybe add to it, you're growing a really big beard and throwing an ax, you know, to that <laughs> hyper-masculinity piece. That's right. To yeah. 
to showing true masculinity and caring mm-hmm. for the people around you in a way that is gentle and kind and empathetic and how sometimes that can be viewed on as weak mm-hmm. and it's like this back and forth and if you find somebody who's truly in the middle not too far either way it's they've had a lived experience where they've seen the value right yeah right and it sounds like your lived experience has spoken to you the value of this process that you've gone through. Mm-hmm. Man, such powerful stuff. I'm thinking about as you've grown and, and you have kids of your own. Yeah, I have a 14-year-old and 11-year-old. Yep. And how you've grown and navigated your own complexities over the last few years. And how have you, how have you done that as a father? simultaneously as a father when you're responsible for some human beings yeah and how do you take care of yourself while taking care of other people mm, gosh yeah it depends on the day there's a whole host yeah. of strategies <laughs> it's yeah. more like ingredients in the stew you know there's a lot of pieces um yeah well one thing that i i do a lot of is and you know so part of part of my kind of transformation process and putting my pieces back together what has been a friend of mine said, you know, you give away your best stuff for free. And so I've been in behavioral health for 20 years and I was like, Oh, well, yeah, that's my best stuff. Like that's my expertise. And, and so I've been, I've been doing a lot of writing along that, along the way, just trying to distill down kind of the critical ingredients. Like what do we need just to really be at our best? And so I kind of practice what I preach. I really follow that. I, I'm, I think it's really important. I look at five key areas. One is my mindset, you know, just having a hero's mindset, you know, to kind of per, to persevere and to, and to face adversity, um, to see failure, not as a failure, but as an opportunity for self-mastery and growth. So just, you know, like a, that hero kind of mindset, a mission, if you don't decide where you're going, you're bound to end up somewhere else. So really having some clarity about like, who, who do you want to be and then live into that life Mindfulness is a big thing in what I do, self-awareness. Um, I, I also highlight movement, just your body. Your body runs everything. If you don't take care of it, you know, it, it falls apart. It, yeah. it atrophies. And then the last piece we've talked about is mentorship. So, yeah. I mean, for me, those are five critical ingredients. I show up every day. I look at them. I think about them. And I try to live them. Yeah, that's incredible. And, you know, each one of those five plays such a big part in being a husband, being a Mm. father, being a leader, being an entrepreneur, you know, you and I are both in that space. Um, But you and I also have something else in common, like, we're in the midlife. And I alluded to this earlier in our conversation, but you said the muck of midlife. And I think about balancing these five areas. So, you know, mindset and mission and mindfulness and, um, movement and mentorship mm-hmm. where does this play in navigating the muck you know i let i'll let you get into the muck because you've identified some things the muck of midlife while maintaining emotional health um yeah so well maybe just describing a little bit what about i mean by the muck a little mm-hmm. bit just that yeah. so i i work with a lot of guys and and it can kind of look a little different but i think it's i think any anybody after the age of 30 is eventually going to run into what we're referring to as the mock. It's, it's just a part of our life cycle. It's just a part of what happens. You know, when you're younger, we pursue careers and opportunities and get into families and have children. And, and then we're 10, 15 years down the road and things have sort of just kind of solidified in place, you know, and there's a lot of responsibilities and not enough time. And so that muck sometimes can just show like, just wondering if I'm in the right spot, you know, like, um, 
uncertainty. Um, I see a, a lot of men um, end up coming to me just like their marriages are flat or, or failing, yeah. um, facing some kind of health crisis, that kind of thing. Um, so I, so that's what I mean by the muck of midlife. It's just that yeah. sort of period of our life where- you Trudging know, through it. That's it. That's it. And so, um, you know, for me, I think part of the freedom comes from really getting to know ourselves and doing some more inner work. You know, as we're children, we kind of were designed to look externally, like where's food, where's mom, where's what, you know, where are these things, where's food and clothing and then more complex things. But eventually, as we grow up, part of growing up is really learning to find those things within ourselves, you know, to be approval within ourselves and reassurance within ourselves. Um, and so, it, you know, that it's a maturation process. And part of that for men, part of that for anybody is, is learning how to sort of that um, self-actualization process, you know, just sort of going inside, learning to trust yourself. I think it's unique for men because along with that socialization and the man box pieces comes along, what I would say is um, a limited emotional vocabulary. So, so men typically are kind of socialized to have like mad, sad, and glad, like that's it. Mm. Um, and that becomes really challenging when you have to navigate like complex relationships, like right. an 11 year old <laughs> or yes. my 14 year old daughter who would like choose <laughs> to never leave her bedroom if that was a choice. Um, or relationships and marriages, right? I mean, they're they're really complex. So, so for me, a big piece of getting out of this muck and this inner work is really enhancing and, be, and, and increasing our emotional vocabulary. Mm. When we're talking about emotional vocabulary, what are you speaking to? Yeah. So well, you, sorry, yeah. I, because. Man, you can see if you're watching on YouTube, you can see I'm just taking notes right now as Donald is speaking. Like I'm just writing like mad. And I'm like, okay, emotional vocabulary. And, and I just have, what is that? And so when you're talking about emotional vocabulary, can you explain that a little bit? Yeah. So maybe I often use the word emotional integrity. So I'll define that. So emotional integrity is the ability to notice and to communicate your emotions honestly. Okay. So it's just noticing. So it's becoming aware of what your emotions are and then it, the ability to communicate it. So that's really where the rubber meets the road. But but for a lot of men, if it's mad, sad and glad, I just had a guy I worked with the other day and we were working on emotions and he did a he did an exercise and I can talk about it if that makes sense. But he came back and he noticed the emotions of powerful and powerless. Like those were his emotions during the week, two emotions. Amazing. Yeah. And and so um, so. So another way of thinking about it is like emotional literacy, you know, is like yeah. just having a bigger vocabulary. So like if I'm angry, I'm going to respond to anger different than if I'm irritated. You know, yeah. they're in the same kind of constellation, but they they get a different response. And and so it's just really about having having more options. I think there's yeah. there's debate over this, but something like 27 kind of core emotions or something like that. Yeah. So. Excellent. You mentioned you led someone through a process and I'm not going to say that you yeah. have to do that, but I would. I know our listeners who are listening to this right now who are also taking notes are, are wanting to hear this. So what is a process that you would lead a, a man through right now to develop this emotional integrity? Mm -hmm. Well, I personally love to use mindfulness meditation. I think mindfulness is a, is a, is a, is a, is an awesome platform for learning and, and mindfulness is just really on purpose, non-judgmental, 
present moment awareness. So that's a lot, but, but it's just paying attention to what's happening here and now really. And it's and often like internally. So as I teach mindfulness, um, it can be, you can pay attention to anything in the moment, you know, like sensations in your body or your breath or thoughts. And so with, with developing an emotional literacy, just focusing on what the feeling state is like, Oh, this is what I'm feeling right now. I'm, and this can take time. It's like practice. It's it's, I like emotional literacy because it speaks to like learning a new language. And for many men, it's really a new language it's new territory. So learning to label your emotions and what they are um, can be done. I find it's really helpful to do that through meditation, but also I use a feelings wheel often, and you can find these anywhere online. You could Google an emotions wheel or a feelings wheel. It's just, it's just got a whole list of emotions kind of broken down six core and then secondary. And, and I find, you know, I have one on my fridge. We use it with our children, you know, uh, you can pass it around the dinner table. Like what's, what's the feeling state and just kind of checking in. Um, so some of the guys that I work with will do it like every hour on the hour throughout a day, or maybe they'll do it at breakfast every day of the week. It doesn't really matter. It's just like, you know, it's the repetition that's important. Excellent. I've been challenged to do that <laughs> by a mentor of mine. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, and I find it really hard to do sure. at times. And one thing that has helped me do exact, like not exactly what you said, I think what you just shared I'm already thinking about implementing, let's do that more together as a family and not so much just on my own. Um, I've been trying to step into my own emotional awareness, but now I'm like, okay, yeah, I've never taken a moment to sit around the pass this around the table to say, how are you? How are you? What's the feeling state right now? So I'm going to implement that. I'm writing that down. Um, I, yeah. But these triggers that uh, that's what I wanted to get to is that, if you're listening to this right now and you're, you want to implement what Don just said, I'm going to try to do this over the next week. But one of the things that helps me is a trigger. If I walk through a certain space or if I have a certain interaction or I pick up a certain item, it's, it's like a trigger that I'm training myself to be more conscious of being emotionally aware. Mm -hmm. So I appreciate you sharing that process. It just mm -hmm. reinforces the importance of doing this. Mm -hmm. No. Yeah. And I'll just add to some uh, like kind of a little bit of a reframe, but like not looking at emotions as some like uncontrollable, like nuisance, but mm -hmm. understand that they're, they really drive everything. Emotions drive everything. So they're survival oriented, they drive survival oriented behavior. So not villainizing any emotion, yeah. they all have value, you know, uh, often, like if you're sitting in a chair for a long time and your like leg goes numb and it falls asleep that's like your body saying hey it's time to like shift you're out of balance so right. your emotions are the same way to your spiritual health like they're telling you maybe that something is out of balance so so as we begin to name them and label them we can start to listen a little bit more in and give us clues as to as to what we need to do or what kind of changes we need to make that's excellent I have a question for you because yeah. you are a dad. What experiences or realizations or successes have shaped you as a father, as an 11 and 14 year old? Because I'm a few years behind you. I'm 10 yeah. and eight. Mine yeah. are 10 and eight. And I'm always looking for the cheat code and I'm finding out there's not a cheat code, but I'm, I'm interested. What experiences, realizations and successes have helped shape you as a father? I was just, are we talking about just today or yeah. uh, no? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> always learning, uh, continuous. Yeah. Always a student. The kids are such great teachers. Um, as you know, as you know, well, I mean, I think, 
I think what well, kind of in line with what we've been talking about, my childhood was so influential. And I just think this is so important. I mean, we kind of parent the way we were parented, not like straight up, might not look like that on the surface, but those are where we learn our emotional relational patterns. And so I think, I think um, for me, like, doing some of that work, kind of going back and clarifying a little bit, like, oh, why is it that, you know, I, I react to my wife like this, you know, why do I feel, you know, so, um, so just reflecting on my past experiences, I think has been helpful, um, in my, in this transformation period. Um, and that's also taught me just to get straight with myself. I've, I've heard it before, but now I really understand it that like, if I'm the best version of myself, I'm the best version I can be for others. It's mm. the excellent, the cle- Delta airlines kind of metaphor yeah. cliche thing, right? Put it on yourself. And it's really true though. Like if you're not straight with yourself, um, you're gonna, you're not going to be showing up as your best self for others. So. Yeah, I think to be I think to be a, a leader is a big piece too. I think I I I um like owning that, taking some ownership about my role and like w- that is really needed in this family. I think prior to my kind of awakening, I was I might have subscribed more to that happy wife, happy life kind of thing and I think that's just a recipe for codependency and it doesn't really do anybody any good and so um, just kind of like getting clear on what kind of man I want to be, what kind of dad I want to be, what kind of husband, and then living into that. Um, yeah. And it's never too late. It's never too I late. Love that. I love yeah. that. It's never too late. So, which brings me to my next question. You know, as a father, what are some areas of growth that you're committed to or excited about right now? Yeah. Yeah, you know what I shared earlier those five those five sort of methods and mission. I mean that that's what I do every day. I'm really I'm really committed to. Um, this hero mindset, you know, cause I lived for a long time with more of a victim mindset, you know, mm. that things were out of my, out of my power. And this was the hand that I was dealt. And, and that shift has been, you know, it's a subtle, but seismic shift um, and just really embracing challenge, you know, persevering in the face of adversity, see, learning from failure, really seeing life as a process rather than an outcome. Um, and, and also this, like the trick of being really like disciplined and intentional is hard. You know, it's like every day, yeah. it's not the path of least resistance. <laughs> um, right. So, you know, that's a dance. It's more of an art than a science, but um, what, how do I, what do I need to sort of show up every day, stay committed um, and uh, continue the journey? So I don't know if I answered your question. No, but that, absolutely. Absolutely. And I appreciate that. I appreciate some insight into what you're working through right now. I always love hearing that from our guests. Um, Wow. If you're listening to this right now, you're going to listen to this and you're going to be like, I have to re-listen to this. So this is going to be probably one of our most listened to episodes because you just dropped so much value. You gave so much today. Uh, Tom, thank you so much for coming on. If someone wants to connect with you um, see what you're about, get more information. Where can they do that? Yeah. Well, before I answer that, I just want to say thanks, Cam. I appreciated the opportunity. I just love talking about this stuff and getting some visibility, talking out loud about, you know, some of these things that we face as men and, you know, we're better together. And so there's, there's, uh, there's no sense in sort of, you know, uh, keeping it to ourselves. So I just love talking about it and getting out there and having these kind of conversations. So thank you for that. 
Um, in terms of, uh, yeah, wanting to connect with me, just get in touch. Uh, I'm online. I do all of my sessions that I work with men are they're virtual. So aligned on purpose is my, is my uh, business name. You can just find that through a web search on purpose, mentoring.com is my URL. So, um, I offer, I offer a free session. So just to get to know each other and hear about, you know, what you got going on and share some perspective, maybe help problem solve and set up a plan. Excellent. Thanks again, Donald. Appreciate you. And I look forward to connecting in the future. Sounds good, Kim. Thanks. Thank you for joining me today on this episode of the Dad's Making a Difference podcast. I hope you found value in today's show. And if it made a positive impact on you, please share it with someone you know, leave a five-star review and subscribe so you don't miss out on upcoming episodes. I'm Cam Hall. Thank you for spending time with me today. And I will see you on the next episode of the DMD podcast.